So just to review, you know, we, we've, Joshua's taking command, Moses is dead, Joshua's in command. He's led Israel across the Jordan, and what do we do after we, when we crossed, what, do we, what did they do? Picked up the stones and erected a monument. We'll talk about that a little more today. A decision that was probably not popular with the men of, of Israel. Circumcision was reinstated. Remember we talked about how nobody had been circumcised since they left Egypt. So they circumcised all the males and then recovered for several days. They also celebrated the Passover. Israel is getting back into covenant relationship with God. These signs of the covenant, circumcision, Passover, are coming back. And then I think in a real message to Israel, the manna has stopped. Things have changed. It's like when you're growing up and mom and dad said, well, you're on your own. We love you. We're going to support you. That's right. I forgot that. But things are different now. God has helped you this far. And God's going to continue to help you. But you're going to have to get involved as well. It's not going to be God providing everything you need. You're going to have to get out there and do a little on your own. So that's where we were last week. And then that brings us to, to what I'm calling here. We, we see, you know, we, we see the crossing of the river. We see all these things that, that sort of make Joshua look, remind us of Moses. And here's another one. Doesn't seem like it at first. Joshua sees this figure with a drawn sword. Joshua says, are, are, are you on our side or their side? Who is, who is this figure he sees with a sword? And the reply he gets is said, I'm neither but a commander of the army. As a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. In other words, this, fig, this figure is not just, he's not an Israelite, a Canaanite. He is the commander of God's army. Joshua fell on his face and worshiped. says, what do you command of your servant, my Lord? He said, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you stand is holy. Where have we heard that phrase before? The burning bush. So Moses, Moses is in the presence of God. And notice, uh, Joshua falls down and worships him. He says, what do you command your servant, my Lord? And notice, remember what we said about the word Lord. It is not in small caps here. This is not the covenant name of God. He's not, he's not addressing this figure as God. He's saying, but, but he is as his master, his sovereign, his commander. So again, we have a scene that, that, that shows us that Moses is very similar. You know, or excuse me, Joshua is replacing Moses. Another sign that he's the new Moses. He's the new leader of Israel. So we're ready to go. We're ready to conquer now. And notice we're already by Jericho. We're there where, where the battle's going to occur. George? Yes? Just, just as a side notice on here, having served in the military, it would not have been comforting to me. <laughs> see a man standing there with a sword, and I say, are you with us or are you with them? And he says, neither. Right. I don't really understand that answer. Yeah. But... You know what? What? That's a good point. What? What? I I didn't even thought of that. What? What I would put there is I'm with you. Exactly. That's I, what I would have wanted. Yeah. I am you as commander of the Lord. I've come. Army of the Lord. I've come. 
What's the implication of, of, the, of the uncertainty in the answer? Is there an implication there when he says neither? Maybe if you follow me, I'll be on your side. <laughs> yeah. I'm commander of God's army. There you go. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think I'm, I, I like that. You know, the, the question of, of whether Joshua is going to be on God's side has to be answered by Joshua. It has to be answered by Israel. It's not a given. You know, uh, I guess, you know, when I grew up, it was a given that if you had the right name on this church sign over your door, you were one of God's people. But that's not the way it works. It wasn't the way, you know, again, who, who could have been more certain than Joshua? They're Israelites by, by birth, by ethnicity. My goodness, all the men have just been circumcised. They've, they've gone through these covenant renewal exercises, but there's still a choice to be made. Israel still has to choose. Thank you, Jim. That's a really good point. Is that kind of what, is that, do you see it differently? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's, that's the only way I can, you know. It just jumped out at me. It does it jump out when you look at it, and it never jumped out at me. But again, I, that's, that's an interesting answer. But immediately, you know, again, Joshua acknowledges him, falls down, and worshipped. Notice, and notice it doesn't say worship, he just fell down and worshipped. So anyway, we'll go ahead. Let's move on to Jericho. So we get to Jericho. Jericho, uh, certainly from what we've read in, in the story of Rahab and the spies, there's a fear of Israel, right? They've, that people have heard what Israel can do what, and what Israel has done to the other nations. So there's, there's fear there. So they're shut up. They're, they're ready for a siege, right? And, uh, and, and if I've been Joshua, I don't know. <laughs> notice how you... You know, God says to Joshua, See, I've handed Jericho over to you along with its king and soldiers. Well, really? <laughs> it looks like they're pretty safe right now to me. They're in, they're, it's a walled city with probably double walls. And, and you know, they're, they're up there snug as a bug in a rug, and we're out here. How, how do we assault these walled cities? You know, these are, these are not trained soldiers. These are not, they don't have siege uh, weapons against siege works. You know, we're still Bronze Age for the Israelites, no iron yet probably. And here's God's instructions. We all, every, everybody knows this story, right? You march around the city circling once. You do this six days with seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns, shofars before the ark. The seventh day, you march around seven times. You know, the numbers keep coming up that we see in the Old Testament. The priests blowing the trumpets, when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, as soon as you hear the sound of trumpet, then all the people shout with a great shout, the balls fall down, and the people you charge in. That's a strategy. Uh, again, as a military man, that may not sound real solid. But that's what God tells Israel to do. That's their instructions. And again, it's one of these things, are you going to trust me? And I'll make a little excursion here. This is as we go on down and later in the, in the chapter, he tells all the people what to do. And, I, and, and you know, when you talk about preachers preaching on hobbies, this is kind of a hobby for me, okay? So bear with me. He says, you shall not shout or let your voice be heard. You shall not utter a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. 
know, there's a time and a place for everything. And again, that's this kind of this is my hang-up. You know, we need to realize we all have gifts. And I used to deal with this in, when I worked with people who uh, analytical chemists I used to work with. They had a tool that they could use to analyze things. And whenever anybody had a problem, they said, well, my tool will solve it. And sometimes it was the worst tool possible to apply to that problem. But they were so proud of what they did, their piece of equipment, that they always thought they had the solution and that was the best way to do anything. You know, it's like the old saying, if you, if you got a big hammer, everything looks like a nail. But, you know, we've all got gifts and, 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 you know, there, and there's a time and a place to use them all, but the, the time and the place isn't always now, here. So again, that's just kind of, what I saw that and that kind of jumped out at me. You know, I, the, the joking example I give is I have a, when I was in Oklahoma, this uh, lady I knew, her, they went to a Baptist church, her husband was a member of the chainsaw ministry. And these, these were guys who had big chainsaws, and when, when, when the hurricane hit the Gulf Coast, they packed up in their trailer and they went down there and they cleared roads, they helped people get out of their houses. So there's a great ministry, but probably you don't want to exercise that ministry in the sanctuary on Sunday morning on the pews. You know, there's time and a place for everything. So anyway, that, again, that's, that's, just, uh, that's just old men griping. So, yeah. Bear with me. So here are the prescription. prescription uh, the, you know, we, we all, sometimes you hear the phrase that's talked about the ban the idea that the city is devoted to the Lord for destruction. And we talked a lot about this last week. Uh, we're not getting a lot of detail about this week. I notice our theologian is back. She, she wasn't here last week when I needed her. We talked about the ban, but anyway. Okay, so he tells them the whole city is going to be destroyed. Save what? Rahab. She's, she was on our side. She helped us. She hid the messengers. Everything else is God's. Devoted to destruction. Don't take any of the devoted things. Make the camp. And says, notice it says, if you take any of the devoted things, what happens? You make the camp of Israel an object for destruction, bringing trouble on it. So everything's destroyed except the silver, gold, bronze, and iron are for, for the sanctuary. They're to go to God. They'll be put in the treasury. So here are the instructions. We get going and... When I was reading, you know, you read through this stuff and you find stuff you never noticed. So what happened first? Did the people yell or did they blow the trumpets? Well, it says here the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. And it says as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, they raised a great shout. So I don't know. <laughs> it said to blow the trumpets and then yell, but we have a sentence here. And if we had a Hebrew scholar, maybe they could straighten us out. But anyway, whatever happens, the trumpets blow, the people shout, the walls fall down. The Israelites run in. Notice they devoted destruction. This phrase you see a lot in Joshua, by the edge of the sword, men, women, young ox, old oxen, sheep, and donkeys. Now, if you weren't here, let me just say what I believe about this, this idea of total destruction. What we shot, saw last week is we see peoples and cities totally, that early in Joshua appear to be, have been totally destroyed but later in Joshua, and especially in Judges, they're still around. And, and the explanation I propose, and again, you can listen, now listen to it if you want to, um, 
is that this, when this language is used, it's hyperbolic. It's a hyperbole. It means a, 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 a sound victory, a, a strategic victory. It does not mean everybody was wiped out because, again, these people are still around later in Joshua. And the people who, who wrote the book or who put the book together, I think, would have had enough, you know, they would have seen this conflict. But I think for them, they, they recognized this as a hyperbole and they said, oh, you know, it's a strategic victory. And that's what that phrase, you know, that utterly destroyed means. Okay. No, but we're going to talk about her. What do you have? Well, I was just going to say, here's a character prostitute. Yeah. And we know that later she has to marry one of the tribes of Judah. Yeah. Because she's, she's in Christ's genealogy. Yeah. And it's yeah. Story. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the, and, and again, in, in the chaos of battle and all that's going on, you know, uh, it's interesting, Joshua picks the same two guys who had spied out the land. Because these are obviously, you know, they're, hopefully that red cord's still hanging out the window. But anyway, he picks the two men who are most likely, who know Rahab, <coughs> who've met her, and he says, go to the prostitute's house, bring the woman out, and all who belong to her as you swore to her. Israel is going to keep its promise. And the young men, you know, spies, they brought Rahab out, goes on, and notice down here at the close of this passage, it says, Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, Joshua spared. Her family has lived in Israel ever since. So not only was, did Israel follow through on their promise, you know, all they promised was just was not, not to kill her. But they go beyond that and they, they bring her a foreigner into the nation uh, because she hid the messengers from Joshua sent. So there, there's a gratitude that goes beyond the promise here that Ray, that's exhibited to Rahab. And again, if you go back, we, we won't go back and look at it, but go back and look at, at Rah, what I called first, second week, Rahab's testimony. Look at, how, look at what she says about Jehovah God of the Jews. She, she had more faith than a lot, of the, a lot of the Jews did. Did you want to say something? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that, that statement she makes to me is, is a statement of faith that, that really stands out in the Old Testament. That it would, you know, and we're going to see in a minute, you know, the, the Jews, remember what, we, what the Jews said when, they, when things got bad to, to Moses. What did they say? Yeah, why did you bring us? We'd be better off die, back in Egypt than out here dying in the wilderness. But Rahab, has, her faith stands out. And the promise is kept. She survives. Okay. And then Joshua, kind of the, the clo to close out, uh, Joshua makes a curse on the city. He says, Curse before Jehovah be anyone who tries to build this city, this Jericho, at the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation. At the cost of his youngest shall he set up its gates. So in other words, he, he says this, this place is cursed. And then this finally a statement, the Lord was Josh, with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. 
And I, again, I'm, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so, and I'm, I will take a What's the antecedent of his? Is it Jehovah or Joshua? I don't know. It's probably good news if it's Jehovah. If the antecedent is Joshua, maybe it's a second curse on Joshua. You know, you know, this does raise the possibility that Jericho was rebuilt. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't say it's, it can't be rebuilt. It just says... Which, which then raises our question about how it popped up later. Yeah. Because I could see the people in the countryside, cities were protection. Oh, yeah. So enemies came into the area and they ran to the town for protection. Right. I could see the people living in the area going in and rebuilding the yeah. city saying, we yeah. don't have a town. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't say it's not going to be rebuilt, but it yeah. just says that... Uh, Okay. So anyway, it, there was a, there was a, the the prophet, you know the the oath was laid down. There's there's going to be a cost to rebuilding the city. Uh, so, but again, there's fame involved. So uh, I kind of wonder if it may have been Joshua, but uh, we'll see. So we got Jericho's pretty much taken care of. How do you feel now if you're an Israelite? I, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, you know, we go, we march around for seven days, and we kind of have a long walk on the last day. But then they, we're going into a land of milk and honey. Right. But we cross the river. The manna stops. Yeah. Clothes start wearing out. I got I got to make new sandals. Yeah. Uh, now, what do we do for food? Well, all the work starts. Right. Like you say, yeah. You've got to live on the land now. Right. But we certainly got confidence in our in our military. We're we're, we're God is God. You know, if it's like this, this is going to be easy. So we're going to go into AI. And uh, Joshua seven starts off with this phrase, and it's 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 always interesting. The Israelites broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Achan the son, yada 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 took some of the devoted things and the anger of God burned against the Israelites. It's interesting to me that even though there's one person involved, it doesn't, it, it doesn't just say Achim. It says the Israelites. You know, one person's actions can be significant. And it's interesting, the commentators I read talked about this, faith, this phrase broken, that they broke faith. They said that's sort of a phrase that's used for marital infidelity. This is not just picking up something and taking it. This, God takes us seriously. The covenant has been broken through the action of one man. And again, God doesn't just, he's not just mad at Achan, he's mad at his anger burns against the Israelites. Yeah, he warned them. Yeah, that was, yeah. And so, so we have here one, one bad apple, and it's, it's, it's affecting everybody. So anyway, Aachen is broken faith. George. Yeah. It's, it's, the Israelites there, is, as stated, is plural. Yeah. So 
you think he was the only one? Or is he just the That's one? an interesting question. Uh, I, I wonder that myself. I don't know. We don't know. Hawkins the one who's singled out. He's cited. He's cited. And there may have been others. You know, he's the one who stands out. But, you know, the, the fact that, that it is plural indicate, you know, there may have been others, and Aachen may be just the example that we're given. This seems to uh, accent the whole question of meeting the guy with the sword crossing the river. And the, the guy with the sword says that he's with neither. Um, yep. Again, going back to that same question. Yeah. Who are you really? Yeah. If, if, if you want God to support you, and we're going to see, you have to keep covenant. Yeah. Uh, John? I've got the uh, Jewish translation here, and it says, But the people of Israel <coughs> appropriate some of the goods set aside to be destroyed for uh, Achan and so on took some of the things. Okay. It reads a little bit different than that, what, what was up in there. So. Read it again. But the people of Israel misappropriate some of the goods set aside okay. and destroyed for Achan, the son of Carmen, the son of so-and-so, yeah. took some of the things. It, it's a little bit different. In, I mean, yeah. the question wouldn't come up here. Yeah, once right, that there was a misappropriation before he took. Yeah, so that would support that idea. But anyway, right now, who knows about this? The guilty party part, or parties and God. But we're going to get an idea that something's wrong. So uh, sounds familiar here. We're going to send out spies, spy out the land. They go to AI. And they said, uh, not, not everybody needs to go up. Two or 3,000 men should go up and attack AI. Since there's so few, do not make every, the whole people toil up there. So 3,000 men go up. And they fled before the men of AI. The men of AI killed about 36 chasing them outside of the gate as far as Shebarim, killing them on the slope. The hearts of the people melted and turned to water. So we've had this tremendous victory, and now we're confident, say, eh, 3,000 will do it. And what happens? They're chased. Yeah, Jeff? Um, through this, I catch that, that Joshua didn't lose anybody in the first battle. Yeah. And to mention just 36 men, why would he just mention 30? So this is very important to yeah. realize that this is the first time that yeah. they have lost lives. As far as I can tell, this is the only casualty count among Israelites in the book of Joshua. So that's the only one I found. I may be wrong. But anyway, that's, we'll see later 12,000 are killed on the other side. But this is the only Israelite casualty figure I've seen. So they go up. They've had this tremendous victory at Jericho. They go here. They underestimate the power of AI. And then I, I love this phrase that closes us out here. The hearts of the people melted and turned to water. That's a, a, just, a, I love that phrase. A, these people, they're on top of the world. They, they've gone up against the, the, the large, this large city of Jericho. They come here as a smaller city, AI, that shouldn't be a problem. And immediately, they lose heart. You know, it's, it's against hard for us sometimes to imagine. But, again, their hearts turn, melted and turned to water. They were just totally distraught. And even Joshua, look what Joshua does. He tears his clothes. He fell to his ground 
on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. So he was there for some time, just flat on his face. So he and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads, a sign of mourning. Joshua says, Lord God, why have you brought this people across the Jordan at all to hand over to the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to settle beyond the Jordan. What does this sound like? Sounds like, sound like what we heard before. Why are you going to let us die in the wilderness? One defeat, 36 men out of this huge army. There, you know, uh, later back in Numbers, I think it's in Numbers or Deuteronomy 1, it says there, there were possibly as many as 600,000 armed men they could de deploy. Anyway, would that we have been content to settle beyond the Jordan. What can I say now that Israel has turned their backs on their enemies? The Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and surround us and cut off our name, our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? It's an interesting way to kind of confront God, I think. It's like, Moses did that too. right, Moses did it. And we, we saw Joshua do it. <coughs> you know, when, when it appears God's going to you know, turn their back, he says, well, what people are going to think about you as a God if you let us all die? You know, so... And I love it. He said, they'll, they'll cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Yeah. yeah. Maybe we're reading too much, or maybe I'm reading too much into this text. But what's interesting is, is after Jericho, it's Joshua who takes the initiative and sends the spies. Right. And you've got all of this kind of thing. And then when it's defeated, it's God's responsibility. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's... And you know, we notice, I think I'm right, and, and I don't have the whole thing here, but I don't believe you see in here where Joshua consults God. Before Jericho, God tells him what to do. Here he says, yeah, we got this. Yeah, it's in 3,000 men. He doesn't consult. He doesn't ask God for his assistance. They go up and then... And, and, and there's a failure. You know, maybe if he'd gone to God beforehand, they never would have done this. God would say, there's, there's sin in the camp. There are issues. There's, there's a problem with the devoted things. Don't go up until AI until you got this settlement. He chooses not to do that. And then here, uh, I think it's, it's kind of a classical example of sometimes we think that God really needs us more than we need him. At least maybe he's trying to convince God that. Well, something happens to us. What are people going to think about you? Well, God's going to be God whether Israel does what he says or not. But Joshua appeals to God. And then, oh, foot, uh, this is just kind of a nerdy footnote. This phrase right here, Lord God, it's a question of how you translate it because what you have there are, 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 is the word Adonai, which is the word for Lord or Master, and then God's covenant name, which is, we translate Lord in the Old Testament. So to be consistent, it would say Lord, Lord. But then you can see here the translation I've used, they say Lord God. The NIV, I think, says Sovereign God. ASV says Lord Jehovah because it translates <coughs> this Yahweh as Jehovah consistently. And then I finally found one uh, Robert Alter's translation that I like that says Master God. But it's just a kind of a footnote there to say, Translation is not always straightforward. You have to think about it. Again, if you've been consistent, it would have said, Lord, Lord. All right. Anyway, so let's get back. So, so it's now it's, uh, we've got Joshua. He's, he's 
cried before God. He said, said you know, what's going to happen to us? We'd have been better off if we had not, had not st now we're not staying in Egypt, we're past Egypt, but now we'd been better off if we'd stayed the other side of the Jordan. So this is one of my favorite phrases. I know. I think it says, get up. Yeah. 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 God, uh, and remember we talked about in the very first chapter, what, what was the phrase we saw four times? Be strong and courageous four times. And here's Joshua, the first bad thing that happens, he's given up. And like Terry said, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? You know, didn't you see, don't you remember Jericho? And he tells, here's the problem. Israel has sinned. Yeah, and notice what he says. He, he didn't say somebody stole something. You've transgressed my covenant that I imposed on them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have acted deceitfully and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, this is the reason Israel, Israel is unable to stand before its enemies. They turn their backs to their enemies because they've become a thing devoted for destruction themselves. Again, this phrase you see over and over in Joshua about being devoted for destruction. Normally it was a city that was devoted for for destruction. Now he says, now you as a nation, if you don't straighten out, you're going to be in the same fix those cities are in. You're going to be devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things among you. So that's Israel's choice. And uh, you, you may or may not remember how they do that. Uh, so the next morning, God says, each tribe is to come before you and somehow... God is going to pick a tribe. And after that tribe has come before you, then they're going to come clan by clan. And out of all those clans, God's going to pick a clan. And then when the clan, from that clan, God is going to pick a household. They'll come near one by one. The one who is taken as having the devoted thing shall be burned with fire together with all he has for having transgressed the covenant of Jehovah and for having done an outrageous thing in Israel. Interesting phrase, an outrageous thing. So, there's, yeah, John, there's a, pe a price that has to be paid. Is there any significance in this process? I mean, it's, it's done in other places yeah. in the Bible. I mean, he could have easily just picked, told him, go get so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one I think about maybe is, is picking of the king when, you know, for, for Israel where they bring, you know, everybody by. And You're the one that did it. It's pretty dramatic yeah 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 the other tribes were not yeah yeah there may have been some other nervous tribes as well but anyway they go through all this thing and, and of course it turns out it's Aachen and go ahead um, this whole story um, raises the question for me of hyperbolic language. I think so. Being the overriding methodology for the writer of Joshua. Yep. It seems to me I would have cut this story out. I mean, if I were um, trying to be raise a great picture of God, great mm -hmm. conquering people, if I was trying to write that picture, this story would be gone. There's only 36 guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a pretty, pretty minor. You know, in terms of losses, you know, sending three thousand men up 
and losing 36, that's a little over 1% casualty rate. That's not a, for ancient times, that's not bad. There was more to it than the loss of the men. Yeah. There was 2,000 and almost of them that didn't get killed because they could run fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even more embarrassing. I mean, yeah, even, even worse. I mean, and, and, and remember, this is part of, here's my chance, okay? Remember, this is part of the Deuteronomistic history. I worked really hard to learn how to say That's that good. word, let me tell you. We're proud of you, boy. I am too. I, you wouldn't believe how many times I said Deuteronomistic. So I think, you know, we're talking about the, the, the seriousness of breaking faith. And probably the, the writer of this book and, and, and the writer of Judges, or at least the editor, are the same person. And I, when I think about this, Terry, I, I, I wonder if we're kind of setting things up for Judges. To remind Israel, that you want to remind them that God's powerful. They want, you want Israel to know that message. But you also want them to know the seriousness of breaking covenant. I, that's, what I, that's why I think it's here. To, to say, here's one guy, one guy who, who took, took a little, actually took quite a bit of gold and silver, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I, along with that, yeah. just, I'm sitting over here and I'm sorry. Just say it. Just say it. <laughs> say it. Um, I, I'm going to widen the lens just a little bit. Yeah. And, and so my takeaway when I walk away today is the enemy is not always external. No. The enemy is in, inside, and God demands obedience. Dale and I were talking about this when we left the other day. God demands obedience. That's what he asked yeah. him to do. And you didn't obey, and yet it's only 36. But you didn't obey what I told you to do. Yeah. And so when I walk away, I think sometimes that's, that's not external. That's Kelly. That's mm -hmm. me who's breaking yeah. the covenant or being unfaithful. Yeah. Yes. Now there, there's the other kind of juxtaposition there where you have Rahab the prostitute woman who keeps the faith. And then you've who, got this Israelite man good who guy. breaks the faith. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a like real contrast. God always thinks, or, or the, the, the message is, don't ever think more of yourself than you are. Yeah, think. yeah. And Paula. Oh, after last week, I was thinking a lot about this. And, uh, uh, and you are so right about ancient cultures overstating where they are. Yeah. The Egyptians would never have admitted that the Histos ran them over. No, no. And that whole tribe ran them over for thousands of years or whatever, hundreds of years. Um, but what's different about Israel, what kind of struck me was that totalitarian government, which Israel was, and, I mean, mm. which uh, Egypt was, yeah. and uh, the people that were fighting. Yeah, Canaan, not, yeah. They don't go up against the king in any no. They consider the king deity. Yeah. A lot of but Israel had the king eventually, and they actually tell the truth about what's happening. Yeah. So what's the difference? The difference is, I think they don't consider the king God. Right. So they feel like they can criticize him. <coughs> the same thing yeah. Happening here. Yeah. We talked last week about when you look at Mesopotamian. Mesopotamian. I can't say that. I can say Deuteronomistic. Though. When we talk about the Mesopotamian and the Egyptian histories, you never, they're ne if you read those histories, they never lost a battle. They never, you know, they were always on top. And we know that isn't always true. But, but Israel, you know, read the story of King David. You know, not, they certainly didn't deify David. Israel's king was God. But isn't that typical of 
laws today too, though. I mean, if you think about the North Korean government, you ever, oh yeah. Does anybody ever say anything about the crazy leader? No, not over there. No. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'll get back and I'll say one more thing, which I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. You know, we always think, well, it's just me. Uh, you know, if I do something wrong, you know, I'm not doing what I should. It affects me, doesn't affect anybody else. You know, a couple of months ago, we heard that a significant fraction of the folks who were members here at Otter Creek weren't given any, anything. And again, I hesitate to talk about stuff like that because but and probably they thought well you know everybody else is given a lot of contribution and they won't miss mine but and but if you looked at the budget numbers we were having some serious issues and it's just kind of like old 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 in here you know it's just me i'm just going to take a little bit there's all this booty all this gold all this silver and they're never going to miss mine but they did and god knew about it did you see where the gold was supposed to go supposed to go in the treasury right yeah 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 so anyway again it's just really interesting to me hear the language so Joshua confronts Aachen what would you say to Aachen what would be the first words out of your mouth if you're confronting Aachen would it be give glory to Jehovah God here's a guy who's who knows he's 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 toast he's, he's gonna die it says, give glory to Jehovah God, make confession to him, tell me what you have done, and do not hide it from me. So there's still a way, even Aachen can glorify God. And Aachen, Aachen mans up. He said, it is true. I'm, you know, there's no equivocation here. There's no say, well, I, you know, I really shouldn't have done it, but let me tell you why I did it. I am the one who sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shinar, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them, took them. They now lie hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver underneath. Now, uh, the, the, the Bible I have that has weights and measures would put this at about a, a pound and a quarter of gold and put that at about five pounds of silver. It, not a real small theft. At least it wouldn't be today. I mean, five pounds, a pound, pound and a quarter of gold. I don't know how much. I, I, can't, I didn't do the math, but that's worth a lot. Yeah. 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 So anyway. Yeah. You know, George, that phrase, uh, give glory to God, that's, that is a phrase that is. Yeah. Literally, it's what we, we would say to tell, you swear to tell the truth, the truth. Yeah. In John 9. When the high priest is questioning the man born blind that Jesus just healed, he says, Give God the glory, man. He's, he's yeah. referring right back to the same. Yeah. That's the same. same yeah. yeah. But it's, 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 it's a, an unusual way to start an interrogation. <laughs> so we're about through here. Aachen's confronted. And we see here uh, Why did you bring trouble on us? Lord is bringing trouble on you today. Israel stoned you to death. They burned him with fire, cast stones. And notice, just like we had this pile of stones at the river to commemorate a great event, we get a pile of stones 
today that, that are at the time of the writing were still there. So we commemorate the good and sometimes we commemorate the bad. We need to be reminded both of, of, of the glory of God and the power of God and we need to be reminded of the consequences of sin. So two piles of stone probably looked a lot alike but very, very different purposes. Okay, we'll go through this real quickly. Uh, God gives, now Joshua goes to God this time. God says, don't be afraid, take everybody with you, go to AI, and you probably remember this, we have a strategy now, We're gonna, we move in behind the city, we put a camp north of AI, we put a, a, a 5,000 man ambush force out to the west, so Joshua makes a frontal attack and retreats, and of course AI comes out and chases in the men of AI, then the ambush force comes in, sets fire to the city, then they have them caught between and they, they slaughter the Aites, I guess they are. So Joshua, they burned it, heap of ruins, uh, and all the stuff, and again, raised over to a heap of stones which stand there to this day. So a third heap of stones. And we'll close today, Joshua, once more, see the importance of covenant. We're gonna renew the covenant once more. We built on Mount Ebal, an altar, uh, the people, it's an altar of unhewn stones on which no iron tool has been used. They offered it burnt offerings, sacrificed the presence. And Joshua wrote the stories on the stones, a copy of the law of Moses he had written. And then the people assemble and notice Joshua, he read the words of the law, blessings and curses, all that was written in the book of law. Not a word that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel, the women, the little ones, the aliens who resided among them. The importance of God's law, the importance of that covenant is emphasized here. So that's all I had. It's time. We're a little late. We'll go on with the Gibeonites next week. As I may have told you, it's the funniest story in Job, I think, or Job Joshua. Uh, they're, they're tri those Gibeonites are tricky. Read chapter 9 and you'll see. So we'll, thanks for coming. And I'll, I'll send out these slides. There's just really a scripture on them, so there's nothing special. I'll send them out. We'll see you next week, I hope. <laughs>